the tenth episode of In the Vitrine. My name is Danny, and I'm Nadia. And today we're going to be talking about different ways of shopping.、Mm-hmm. Well, we love to shop. Yes. Yes, but we don't have that much money. <laughs> well,、um, I mean, we just want to be frugal, right, Danny, and be disciplined and make、um, our purchases kind of work, and you know, have you know, money for、uh, value for money, and all of that, that good stuff. Yes. So.、Um, You were ch- telling me that there are some macro trends. Yes, that fit into how we shop. Yeah. So in every year, Business of Fashion does a huge report about the macro trends in fashion and fashion retail. And one of the big ones this year was the idea of the end of ownership. What does this mean?、Mm. <laughs> It means that the lifespan of a fashion product, like a bag or a dress or something. While in the past it would be something that stays in your wardrobe until you decide to give it away,、um, this this lifespan is very very elastic now. So、mm-hmm. there's a rise in pre-owned fashion. A lot of big brands、um, are starting to invest heavily in secondhand、um, luxury vintage stores.、Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of refurbishing, so、um, adding value to vintage clothing. The idea of repairing things、mm-hmm. so that you can resell them, and Of course, the rise of alternative economic models like renting clothing、mm-hmm. instead of buying them. Yeah, well, actually, now that you're talking about that, it reminds me of Calvin's project. You know, for just this past year. So、mm-hmm. Calvin's a student、um, at LaSalle. He just graduated, and what he did was he created these pieces of clothing by buying designer fashion, right?、Mm-hmm. Um, off-season designer fashion, and he kind of cut them up and. Sewed the different pieces together to make new outfits. Yes,、um, and actually, I was doing. I'm doing a research paper that I'm presenting soon, also about upcycling and、right. how a lot of the LVMH prize winners or、um, top top finalists actually include a lot of upcycling processes into、mm. their business models.、Mm-hmm. So Bode from America is using American、um, American craft techniques like quilting. To upcycle vintage clothing into new garments, and、mm. it's doing really well. Yeah. So, well, we we have bought lots of pre-owned fashion,、mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's something that I've done for many many years now because、yes. I enjoy the hunt,、mm-hmm. um, and I definitely love a good deal. So in Singapore, we call that very auntie kind of behavior, <laughs> and I fully embrace it.、Um, I always think that I would never buy anything full priced.、Um, I can be patient if I like something on the runway or if I like something in a store, and I think you know it's too expensive for what it is. I can wait and just buy it. At a later date, you know, when、um, the price is more affordable, maybe it went on sale, or someone has bought it but doesn't want it anymore, and I can buy it on like secondhand platforms. Yeah, and in the past, women would have bought paper patterns to、mm. kind of replicate the trends that they see on、True. the old couture shows. Yeah, and I I think that it's such a pity that we don't do that anymore. Of course,、no. it's too time consuming. Yeah, but、uh, Vogue patterns and like、um, a lot of pattern companies still get、yeah. commissioned young designers to. Create this、oh, really? pattern specially for them. Yeah,、that. but they're、yeah. just not that popular. Something I definitely want to learn、um, at some point、Eventually. in time to to learn to sew.、Um, but while not being able to do that, what I do is I kind of look at you know all these、um, online platforms where I can buy things、um, at a fraction of the original price. So I know that both of us used、um, Vestia Collective before. I、yes. mean, I've used that platform when I was living in London, but、Me、also、too. back in Singapore. Okay, I haven't、um, tried using it here, but when I was、right. in London, I used to scour 
Yeah. And I mean, Vestia Collective is, of course, a secondhand luxury fashion platform. So people can list their items um, and you just take a picture, you put up the information. And then what happens at Vestia is that they make sure that the goods are authentic and then you get sent these items, right? Um, So it's always really fun because, well... We love a good deal, like we said. So it's always exciting to be like, gosh, I love that. And now it's available. I can buy it yeah. and I can own it. But, you know, I'm, I'm not kind of breaking the bank with the yeah. purchase as well. Um, then other, of course, there are so many other platforms out there. Like another one that's really famous would be The Real Real. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's an American one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in Singapore, we have a couple of strong secondhand luxury fashion platforms as well. So we have Style Tribute. Yes. Um, as well as the fifth collection. Yes. Um, and I use both of these sites as both buyer and seller or buyer and consigner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's been it's been great. Um, I, I think we spoke about how we have different ways of looking for things on these sites even. So for mm. me, when I'm looking, for example, when I was on Vestia Collective, yeah, I go more for like designers that I really like from the... In, specifically the Japanese designers or Martin Margiela, you know, the more avant-garde designers. And I try and... Because I feel like their collections don't really have a very strong trend Mm -hmm. um, reference. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, okay, this season they have like off-shoulder tops or this season they have peplums. Mm. So they don't feel so dated. They just feel like, oh, that's a... It's a Miyaki dress or that's a Com dress or that's a Margiela dress. It's pretty timeless and... I feel like that. And I also love kind of doing my own research about what collection was this from or what mm. collection did this um, was this like trickled down from Mm-mm. because obviously for Comte de Garçon they have the main runway and then some things get kind of trickled down yeah and the the quality is still always very good mm-hmm. no matter how old it is yeah Actually, when you were talking about that, I was also thinking that we go to different platforms also because they kind of offer different looks, right? Yes. So I know that, you know, if I want a particular piece, I would be like, okay, I could find it on Style Tribute. But if I want something like super luxurious, maybe I will have to go to the fifth collection. Mm-hmm. Um, and it depends also on like who's consigning yes. to these places, um, who are more comfortable with this. And also what, you know, what do Singaporean women buy? Yes. You know, and which I would like to talk about more later, especially yeah. for the rental platforms. Yeah, for sure. And also something that came up would be um, the sizes. Mm. So I've noticed that a lot of the the clothes that are consigned on these um, platforms, at least in Singapore, the sizes are really small. You know, and oftentimes I'm like, oh my gosh, that's amazing! I want to buy that, but oh, I can't because you know it's not, it's my, not size. my size. Um, so I end up getting more like accessories and bags. And also, I think one thing that comes through in buying um, from these platforms would be the state of wear or like how much wear and tear there is. So I know that all these platforms will say like, well, you know, the condition is good or excellent or pristine and all that. But I always feel like that's not truthful to some extent. Or like we have different definitions, you know, of what's pristine or what's good or what's excellent. Um so there's that icky factor as well. Like sometimes when I get the clothes, I feel like they smell a certain way, and I oh, don't really, really. I don't know. I don't know about you, but you know when I've bought mm. secondhand clothes, like it smells like I mean not bad, but you know just different. It might smell like a particular <laughs> kind of detergent well, or yeah, maybe mm. certain clothes and sometimes or mothball sometimes. I don't know. Yes, and sometimes yeah. there are some stains mm-hmm. that cannot be 
removed. Yeah. And you kind of buy knowing that there might be some stains, yes. there will be imperfections, but you're like, I'm willing to overlook that because it's one of a kind, I can't buy it anymore elsewhere. Or that like, well, I know I'm paying like a really discounted price for this. So I'm also over uh, willing to overlook that, that yep. detail. But I think in general, what you say is true. It's, um, it's a lot about hunting and yeah. that search because yeah. you literally you scroll through lots of listings you imagine every single one mm-hmm. in your wardrobe and what you'll be wearing with and sometimes you buy things that you were not even you didn't even mean to buy or mm. were not looking specifically for yeah for example recently i've been looking for bias cut skirts okay so that is a very specific thing that i have to like because of like what vione or yeah have you been <laughs> researching i, I think i I don't know. I just came across it. And another thing I'm obsessed with is like cloth-covered buttons with the loops, oh, yeah. I told you. Yeah. Actually, um, I have quite a number of those pieces from like FC UK, like French Connection mm-hmm. UK, when it was still nice, like <laughs> back in the... I think back in the early 2000s, mm-hmm. they had lots of those like cloth buttons and it would be like in a roll, right? Yeah. And it would be really nice and so girlish and so cute. Yeah. But okay, we digress a little bit. Yes. Um. So you've been looking for these things and have you had any luck? No, I have to go probably first-hand for these things. Right. And how do you search for it then? Like, also, that's another skill. Yeah, I feel like if you have some fashion knowledge, mm. you can kind of search better. But at the same time, it depends, right? Because the people who are listing these products, if they don't have a lot of fashion knowledge, they're just going to put skirt instead of mm-hmm. bias cut skirt or A-line yeah. skirt. Yeah, and then also the designer's name. Um well, for me, how do I shop? I mean, I'm like trying to think of my process now because it's so ingrained. <laughs> it's such a creative process that we it have is, to isn't it? deconstruct. Yeah. yeah, and it's also about editing what you see and um, being able to like look at the details as well. So, well, maybe I'll talk about it both as a buyer and a seller. Um, when I'm buying something, I always am quite specific. Like I want to look at a certain designer um, and I'll look for that designer. And I might think to myself, well, I also want to think about the material, you know, so I don't want, I might want like jersey mm. or I want silk or something. Mm. So I might also put that in as well. And I quite like just scrolling through images um, when it comes to that. So I don't have patience for scrolling through like fast fashion um, websites, I think, you know, like I also shop, for example, on like Zara or ASOS, you know, for the basics and things like that. Mm-hmm. Or like for the really trendy pieces that I just can't wait to get my hands on. But after a while, I get like fatigue from scrolling. Yes, I um, think that's why a good editor or merchandiser is mm, so important because then yeah. they can put them in terms of personalities, right? Like right. the kind of people who would wear these kind of clothing. Yeah. This kind. Actually, speaking about that, I really love receiving emailers from the fifth collection. So mm. you know, Rohai does that. Um, and One of our colleagues. Yeah, and so he's like the strategist when it comes to like you know this like the social media or mm. like the email content and everything, the digital content um, manager, and. He's always, like, putting together these things that say, like, you know, um, these items are in, you know, people's checkout uh, carts or something. Then you're like, oh my gosh, you know, like, fear of missing (laughs) out again. Like, I have to look at these things. Or, you know, he would just have these edited kind of um, emailers that tell you, like, well, this is what's been trending and we have these pieces. Nice. You know? And I think it really helps because there is this forbidding thing about like going to the website and like just scrolling through what they have that's too much to do or like even thinking about what you would search for is also like really tiring sometimes Mm. but you have an emailer and you have these 
pieces that are highlighted for you and you're like, oh yeah, that is quite nice, you know, or like, hmm, that is a good editor's choice and mm. I will go for that. So hmm. that's also really helpful. As you're saying this, I'm thinking about, I mean, this is something that designers, brands, merchandisers, anyone who sells fashion is always thinking about people's personal style Mm-mm. and they are willing to be adventurous with new things, right? And then what you buy is in that middle ground of it's my style, but I'm also willing to step a little bit yeah, out for true. this new trend. Yeah, I, I'm willing to experiment thing. or I feel quite aspirational with this purchase. Yeah. And, yeah. and there are some people who like are completely like, yes, this new trend, I'm going for it. I'm doing yeah. this. I'm doing it. And, and those kind of people would have a very high turnaround, I'm guessing, for their true clothing. And, I mean, aside from these platforms, of course, we can think about, like, eBay. Mm-hmm. Um, I've certainly bought things from eBay. I Me love too. eBay Japan. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. I would find it in one website. Yeah. And then I'll search eBay for it because some people mm-hmm. are selling similar things. True. So, like, uh, I was searching for Margella tabby boots for a long time on eBay. Okay. And it's about that the right size, the yeah. right colour. Um, the right very, condition very covetable item yeah and also the right shipping costs because I think shipping costs is always like I hate paying for shipping for some for reason for us in Singapore yeah it's yeah. a bit far and of course like if you buy something that's more than 400 Singapore dollars then you have to pay like an import tax yeah. and again mm. if you're a great stylist and like have a great eye for trends um, we know Sofia Amoroso from Nasty Gal fame. Mm-hmm. She started off as an eBay seller. And yeah. just by changing the way she photographs something or she styles something, she was able to like create a fashion yeah, for sure. empire. Yes, and I, I think there are also quite a number of um, social media accounts that do that, mm-hmm. um, you know, where they kind of look for these thrift items and then either they do something to add on to that mm-hmm. uh, or they kind of like photograph it in, in a way that makes you see the piece in new light. Oh, yes. Yeah, so I think one of the ones I follow would be, um, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this correctly, but Lucia Zoli, mm-hmm. um, L-U-C-I-A-Z-O-L-E-A. They have like 145,000 followers on Instagram. And it's really about like thrifted items that are photographed in these like, you know, ethereal, very yeah. light-filled settings. I've seen this account before. And also, it's the images that they put next to it, right? Yes. They create a new mood. Yes. So, actually, for sustain- for sustainability to yeah. to, to continue, mm-hmm. um, a good styling eye mm-hmm. ingrained in everyone would, would really be able to refresh wardrobes. And there's yeah. this big th- trend on like fashion research mm-hmm. for sustainability about wardrobe studies. Okay. So about researching fashion in people's wardrobes. So mm-hmm. looking at, for example, Nadia, how, mm. what does your wardrobe look like? Where were these things bought? How old is, how, what's your oldest garment? Mm. Why do you keep what you keep? What do you wear the most? Yeah. What condition? What do you do when something is spoiled? It's like a whole history within a wardrobe. Yeah, and, and you can yeah. get so much more information from that about the real meaning of clothing in people's wardrobes and mm. their everyday lives than if you just have this garment from 1968 and mm. uh, I mean they have different purposes I know they have different values but you're right I mean it's always the idea that like this is a, a history that needs to be told um, yep. you know we wouldn't think that it has any value but it does right and you know it's yep. about our interaction with what's going on in society at the time um, about how our personal history kind of intersects with what's happening yep. in the world too and I find it fascinating and it's definitely something that my students are also thinking about like yeah. looking at wardrobes of people 
Yes. And what does that say? Yeah. Why do they have these pieces? Yeah. How do people age with their wardrobe? You know, we're certainly seeing many more like embodied research, kind of mm-hmm. research proposals um, for our dissertation modules, aren't we? And, well, for eBay, I, I don't know what you buy on eBay. I mean, you said tabby boots. So have you gotten your tabby boots yet, actually? Uh, yeah, but, but I got them as a gift, like, oh, okay. first hand, so they were, like, perfect. Well, for me, I remember that one of my best purchases on eBay was, um, you know, that um, Premiere watch from Chanel. And when they relaunched it, I thought, like, <laughs> my gosh, it's so beautiful, um, but it's way too expensive for the new one. And also then I did some research, and I saw that, well, you know, the one that's the original from the 1980s, I like that. Because mm. it's much more... So you got the original. Yeah. So I don't know what why I would think of this word, but it felt much more earthy. I don't know why I say <laughs> that. It felt less polished and, mm. you know, and well, it really it fit w- into that, like, 80s, like... Yeah, and it would have bling, a bit bling of bling that thing. patina, right, of time. Yes, that's right. So... Yeah, that word patina is so important as well, you know, when, when it comes to, like, second-hand goods. So, like, we think about patina with, like, watches or, like, furniture and things like that. But for me, that Chanel watch represented, like, okay, I, I got obsessed. So, <laughs> I, I went into the Chanel store and I tried on all those new watches. And I was like, yeah, I don't want it. You know, I want something that feels much more um, aged and with more of a sense of history. And I thought, if they're going to bring it back, then wouldn't it make more sense for me to get the original? This just kind of, like percolated in my mind and so I went nuts on eBay and you know, I tried really hard to get one whom I thought, which I thought was like authentic because that's another thing right about authenticity yes um, you know like how do we know if it's authentic or not and um, so I, I looked at all these like Japanese resellers because I think when it comes to Chanel the best resellers are from Japan mm. and the quality is always pretty good because they really take care of it you know they, they really make sure that they take care of the bags they carry out the watches and I got this um, my watch for I think 700 or 800 sing dollars which was such a small fraction yeah, of like the wow. real thing being made now, like the remake. Yeah. Well, you've been rewarded for your hard work. Yes, and I was really excited when it arrived, and I wear it like really often as well. <laughs> and it's one of my the best things because I just thought it's like a meeting of everything I love, like Chanel and like fashion history, and just a good deal. <laughs> just a good deal well while you're saying that it makes me think of another like retailing trend which is of luxury brands working with second hand retailers mm. to kind of create a loop where they can authentic- sure. help to authenticate the, yeah. the items as well yeah. because that is an issue right yes and I think it makes sense also for them to do that because I mean it's like another market for things that yes. wouldn't sell anyway yeah. you know um, and then consumers, I mean, it's obviously, like you said, it's like a trend, right? End of ownership. So it's not something that you can ignore as well, that yeah. this is happening. It's not going to go away. Um, and there is like a different market for people who want to buy firsthand and people who want to buy secondhand. I don't think people who buy firsthand would ever want to do it mm-hmm. the other way around, you know, and vice versa. I mean, who knows? But suddenly these are two target markets and I think it makes absolute business sense for that to happen. And as the consumer, we would love that because we know, well, I'm getting something that I know is is true and real. Um, well, I don't know if you use carousel as well. Um, mostly for house things. Household stuff. Yeah. Well, carousel like, is yeah another yeah. platform, isn't it, for like um, buying and selling in Singapore. And but I, find I definitely so, dabble in it. I find it so tiring because the people there are always asking for discounts. 
Right. It's yes, the first thing do. they ask. Yes, it's true. It's like a, it's like a behavioral thing that they do. It's yeah, like expected. It, it's like, don't you know the value of my item? <laughs> <laughs> I know. But also, I quite like that. I kind of got around that quite quickly because I'm like, if I'm going to deal on this platform, I got to just learn the lingo and I got to just learn like what the habits are. So I always price things pretty low and I know that they will go for even lower and I have to make peace with that. Oh, okay. So actually, what I do is I sell different things on different platforms. Mm-mm. So some things I know like, you know, are not going to be accepted by Style Tribute or Fifth Collection because like, you know, there's like a bit of a stain or like they will say, well, I don't accept these brands. Then I wouldn't go for that. I will go for Carousel. And actually, I try my best to go for Carousel first because I know I got to keep all of the money. Whereas if I use those platforms, mm. they charge a fee, right? They take okay. like... Because they have to do the whole... Thing. Of course. Yeah, they take like, I think between 20 and 30%, something like that, uh, depending on the value of the, the item. But the good thing about using the platforms is that they do everything for you. So you just like, here are my items. You price them, you photograph them, everything you do. Yeah. I don't do anything. So I'm paying for that service. Um, but for Carousel, I just take the pictures myself, write things myself. Mm. I copy and paste things. Um, off the net, you know, in terms of what the items are about. Yeah. And I quite like it because it's more instantaneous. But I also feel like you have your... This, the um, It's this idea of, like, what do Singaporean mm. women or people buy, yeah. right? Because it's kind of local, so it's to yeah. this market. Mm. And I find that especially when I was younger, I would buy a lot of things in vintage stores or thrift shops. So and true. my style was not like a very conventional mm. style. Mm-hmm. And so I had really bad luck selling anything. <laughs> okay, got it. And so I just wouldn't try. Okay. Like even when I did um, flea markets, it's like... yeah. Even if I oh sold them gosh, for like memories. very yeah. little money, there yeah. would be no takers because it's just like something that other people wouldn't wear. But I, I mean, talking about flea markets, actually, I don't really see them that much around in Singapore these days. But when I was in college in Singapore, I would definitely like, you know, participate in flea markets and buy from flea markets yeah. as well. Like Azuk, you yeah. know, or like I, in front of Sam, well, one of my museum. F- two of my friends have this one called uh, Sunset Bazaar. Mm-hmm. But I think young people, from what I get from young people, yeah. <laughs> and sunset pasa. I mean, pasa means um pasa or like market in, yeah. in Chinese. Yeah, just the same. Um, a lot of my students are doing the same thing, but mm. on Instagram or online. So mm. flea markets exist, but now they are not tied down to a location. Right. So it's more like a depop or like a digital realm almost. Yeah, or even like um on their Instagram, on Instagram. or carousel. Yeah. So true. But there's nothing beats this like flea market thing. I, I remember like just, you know, bagging all my stuff and then you go and sell everything. And like towards the end of the day, you would just sell everything for cheap because you just don't want to bring them back yeah. home. Yeah. Um, and then usually at the end of it, I'll just be like, I'll just donate everything else. <laughs> yes. Because I'm done with this. I don't want them in my wardrobe anymore. And also near to LaSalle, yeah. there, there is this road called Sungai Road, That's which right. has been closed now for, yeah. like, they are doing like a underground ground right well it's the thieves market but then yeah. you wouldn't also sell like you know fashion fashion no there, but I don't think. as a student we used to buy a lot of things there oh, for right. styling or like they Got would it. have like random things that mm. you would buy like bags and stuff yeah so they called it a thieves market because people believe that as they are the, stolen the goods are stolen. <laughs> <laughs> actually it's a really good name for a market a free market yeah um well i also thought we could talk about like our experiences i mean we are I, I guess now people are kind of realizing that we are really hardcore secondhand <laughs> fashion shoppers. Um, I also love going to vintage shops or secondhand um, designer clothing shops when I'm traveling. Yeah. 
So you were telling me about your experiences yes. in Tokyo. So one, um, I love going to Tokyo. There's this particular area called Shimokitazawa, which is like a hub for vin- vintage clothing. And what I love, I mean, the Japanese are just so good at this. They mm. have like this art of arranging things. Oh, yes. And curating things. And also making things look really clean and new. I th- Yeah, they yeah. they really steam them and make yeah. them look very good. And, and put them in like, you know, those like plastic covers. Yeah, and yeah. they... So they're... I found this amazing Rachel Comey top, like wow. the organza look. Oh, is that the one, one that you, you wear quite often? Yes. So okay. it's like an overlay top and Rachel Comey is one of these um, independent New York-based designers. Mm-hmm. And so it's quite a recent piece yeah. from the last two years. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't very cheap, but no. definitely not full price. Okay. And it's a piece I love and use a lot on my wardrobe for styling purposes. Yeah. Um, well, for me, I, I had the the rare chance to go to um, The Way We Wore in Los Angeles mm-hmm. when I went uh, like earlier this year. It feels like a lifetime ago, but I went earlier this year for the first um, Freeze LA, oh, the, the Art Fair wow. Freeze LA. Yeah. And I really like Ali, I just want to say. Um, I'm not sure whether it's because I watch a lot of like American TV growing <laughs> up, but I just felt so comfortable there. And well, before mm. I went to LA, I was obsessed with this show called LA Frog Stars. Mm. Um, and it's about the way we wore this um, vintage store owned by Doris Raymond and run with her friend Sarah Bergman. And, you know, they would show, like, all these wonderful pieces from, like, you know, the past decades. They were so knowledgeable on the show about everything. And, like, one of my favourite things to do would be to see Dita Von Tees actually wear, like, you know, the, like, Dior pieces or something from the 50s. So, yeah, so that was, like, my favourite documentary to watch. And um, so when I went to LA, I was thinking, I have to go to this store and, you know, it will be, like, my dream come true. But (laughs) I didn't realise that, like, I would get to meet both Doris and Sarah. Wow. Because they were in the store. And they were so friendly. And I just felt like, I mean, so there fun. were no words, you know? Yeah. yeah, and I could see all these beautiful pieces and Doris also opened up, like, um, her archive next door where she has all these, like, fabric samples and buttons and all sorts of extra things, you know, that weren't in the main store. And, um, well, according to the documentary, uh, basically, there would be, like, stylists or fashion designers who would also kind of pay to use that library of hers yeah. to design, Um yeah, and yeah, a, a lot of um, vintage stores that mm. have very good pieces mm-hmm. do have those services as well. That's right. So, like, stylists go there, of course, to yeah. get things for their clients, but also definitely, yeah. yeah. In, in London, I used to go to these two places called Carrie Taylor Auction. Oh, yes, of course. Um, and she had, like, the Comme des Garçons, Bums yeah. collection. And, I know. And then there's also the Horse Hospital that has, like, more underground... Oh, I didn't know like about that. Like, Vivian Westwood. Okay. Early, like, 1980s Vivian Westwood stuff there. And yeah. they... So that's more like a very subcultural um, mm. kind of vintage archive. Yeah. And they... It was literally in an ex-horse hospital. Oh, wow. So it's, like... It, it's really, really cool. And yeah. they they also loan a lot to stylists. Mm. There was another one, I think Life Archives in London. Okay. That had a lot of the Japanese avant-garde designers. Amazing. And they experimented with different ways of exhibiting. So yeah. they had one that was curated by one of my ex-lecturers, Jeffrey Horsley, 
where he hung a rack of like yoji or comte de garçon clothing on mm. the rack and people could try them and there would be a wow. model wearing them and people could start sketching or like yeah. just observing mm-hmm. the gesture and the bodies uh, yes. yeah, and how the bodies move within those clothing. Yeah. Within those clothes, I mean. <laughs> so cool. Um, yeah, so I, I think it's always great to have like a second life for these garments mm-hmm. and we certainly enjoy looking at them and trying them on and hopefully snagging a good deal. Uh, you were just telling me that you went to this thing called Pasa Glamour. Yes. Um, which I hope to go to later after we finish recording as yeah. well. <laughs> um, so Pasa Glamour is organised um, as a charity mm. second-hand sale event. That's so right. all the money that gets that gets made gets donated back into charity. But Yeah, yeah. but it's but for a specific cause. So it's actually um, to raise funds for the arts, right? Yes. Am I right to say that? Yes. Well, we are now scrambling to look for like the, the correct thing to say. Um, well, no, they, they are to raise funds for women, children and the arts. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's run by two women, um, three, sorry, so my bad. So it's Katrina Janice Cole and Pam Wee. Um, and they're all women in the arts. And mm-hmm. I think it's a really good initiative. So what they do is they get um, people to donate their designer fashion items. And then they sell it to the public or they sell all these things to the public. And whatever funds they, they have get channeled back to these worthy causes. Yep. And... You were telling me you bought two items while you were there. Yes. So just before I go into that, there's also that element of like mm. the provenance of the objects. Like, right. Oh, this item might have belonged to, I don't know. Like a celebrity. celebrity. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I bought two pieces and I think they say a lot about the way that I buy secondhand mm. as well. So one of them is a Isemiyaki Please Please piece. Of course. And <laughs> I feel like um, I love, I love designers like Isemiyaki because they have a look that is timeless mm. and that like like I said, it's not trend based. So it, you just know it's them. Yeah. And you can wear them ten years from now. Mm. Or I could have worn them ten years ago and it would still be beautiful Absolutely. and well designed. And so I bought a piece like that. And I also bought another uh, piece that was done by like a Taiwanese designer. Okay. But I bought that more for like it had like an interesting print and like an interesting cutting details. Mm. So that I bought because. Like, I found it. I wasn't looking for it. Yeah. Or I don't know anything about the designer. Right. And it's just that the piece spoke to me and I could see yeah. it in my wardrobe. Actually, that's also a difference between shopping digitally and shopping, like, just in person. Because, you know, when you are shopping digitally, you're quite focused on what you're searching for. Yes. And you wouldn't come across things that you might like. Yeah. Whereas in person, you're like, oh, okay. You know, I like, my yeah. eyes are glancing. Yeah. yeah. However, that's what... Um, e-commerce has realized right so you mm. get a lot of those algorithms that tell you if you like this you might like yeah this but other thing that's the thing also but then then it becomes like you're just more set yeah you're mm. just more and more set in that style and that's you're true. not given new options that you're like oh i didn't like that before yeah. i never thought of that before but maybe i could you know so it's much more random i think but I don't know, like, there's also there's also sometimes when I've bought things offline that mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I want to try this new style. And then yeah. I'm just like, that's not me at mm. all. 
Yes. Um, well, actually, I w- I've been dabbling with rental clothes, as you know. Um, oh, yeah. So I, I tried this thing. Well, in Singapore, I think the one that people know about most would be Style Theory. But I didn't really enjoy using Style Theory. I think I told you why that was. Yeah. Because um, basically, these rental platforms, you get this subscription. And then each time, you can borrow like three pieces usually. And yeah. then you wear them or you don't wear them. And then you return the items and you can borrow the next yeah. three items. In theory, I love the concept. Yeah. Right? Like it's this idea of clothing that you... It's almost like crowd. Sort a crowd sharing, mm-hmm. so you, the company buys like nice things that people yeah. can rent. Yeah. But what I find is that, like I said, the kind of things that I like are not mm-hmm. what a lot of True. women might like here, and yeah. so they don't get bought. And mm-hmm. sizing is an issue. Definitely. Um, I'm not a very tiny mm-hmm. person. <laughs> They're shapely <laughs> in a very good way. But I know what you mean because, like, I got quite annoyed with Style Theory when I started using it because um, I really thought of it as, like, an experiment. Like, you know, I want to be able to talk with some authority about all these things that happened in session in Singapore. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, I'll try Style Theory because they seem yeah. to have lots of things available. I also did it as an experiment. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't like it because, like, you know, I thought the the clothes that I got were not in good condition anymore. So they were, like, kind of fluffed up, um, didn't mm-hmm. look pristine. And I was thinking I wouldn't wear this out or for a professional setting. Oh, okay. And the measurements were also pretty off sometimes. So mm-hmm. they would tell me, like, well, this would fit, like... Um, I'm now between like a UK 8, UK 10 So like this would fit, you know, something like this But mm-hmm. um, I get the piece and I can't wear it It makes me feel mm-hmm. bad about myself Of course Yeah But as you're saying this, it also makes me think that With the rise of this kind of platforms um, Designers would also have to design differently Because then you could design silhouettes or or garments That are a bit more expensive bendable in the t- okay. in the types of sizing that they can right. cater to mm-hmm. or like certain silhouettes right yeah. and and this would affect um yeah what they design and mm-hmm. which platform they are designing for mm. like for example those Cecile Bunsen dresses mm-hmm. or Molly Goddard dresses they could kind of be for quite a few sizes at that's a time. true and I mean well I don't like style theory and then when you were talking about that I was thinking about this other platform called Rentadella where you can rent dresses but it's not like a subscription okay, so you rent like yeah you rent pretty like um, occasion sort of pieces yeah. and I, I get your point with how like you think your style is not so much like the style that would be available on Style Theory because that's more for like a very specific kind of like I'm working in an office, I have to look a certain way whereas we get to be more experimental with how we dress for work and I think as fashion historians we also feel more experimental or more like um, more intellectual maybe about the way we dress I'm not sure I think sometimes um, I do over intellectualize yeah. like my reference points and like mm-hmm. I've, in the past especially I've had like people not get it <laughs> yeah because it's all in our heads yeah right? it's like yes this is referencing this particular yeah album. and i'm channeling who today yeah. and i'm like feeling you know yeah. who today um but i have had good experience with this other platform i've been using called mad threat mm-hmm. um because they have much more interesting brands and they also have this thing called premium brands so you can get like you know even like diane von furstenberg or self-portrait or, or things or brands like that Whereas style mm-hmm. theory is more like, you know, run-of-the-mill kind of mass-produced labels that um, have no to mean design elements to speak of. You know, it's just really run-of-the-mill. Um, so Mad Thread I like because also they have this 
new system where instead of you returning the pieces and then waiting for them to be received before you can get the new items, they do this thing called the mat swap. So each time you get your tote bag, your mat thread tote bag, you can already um, you know, choose for your next tote bag of three items. And then when the person comes and collects your old tote bag, you get the new tote bag immediately. So it's a much faster turnaround and there's no downtime, which I love. And I think for them, it makes much more sense as well, right? To have that like one-to-one exchange. Um, something I like about it also is that you don't have to wash the clothes if you don't want to. But <laughs> oftentimes I end up doing that because I just feel like, gosh, I'm going to return this only a few days later. I think it's kind of gross that I'm not <laughs> washing this item. So I end up doing that. Um, but I've been really loving my Matt Thread um, subscription. I'm actually wearing a top today. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, yeah, it's from a Matt beautiful Thread. embroidered top. Yeah, and I, I, I enjoy this subscription very much. Um, I must say it's quite annoying sometimes to be like, okay, I have to choose three items and not always that the items are available. I guess you have to plan a bit more. You do. So when I do have time or when I feel like, you know, I'm just on some kind of transportation, I might then have a lot of wish-listed items. And then when it's time to choose, I can just like move them to the cart. Speaking about mat swap, um, we were also thinking about swapping. So that's yes. the last thing on our agenda to talk about today. Yep. And my students were telling me that actually sometimes they also swap among their friends so mm-hmm. that they don't spend so much money, you know, buying new things. Yeah. There is a, um, again, a subscription service mm. called Swapaholic in Singapore where you can pay a certain amount of money a month. And you can swap like 20 times. Okay. So when you swap, you don't pay any extra money. Whatever you see, you just swap. And of course, you can bring in things okay. to, to, from your own wardrobe to swap. So I guess this all goes back to this whole idea of like the alternative economic models yeah. that there are for fashion. Mm. And I'm guessing, I mean, a lot of fashion historians examine these things in the past too, right? They have always existed. So yeah. we always think of fashion as like... It, well, there was this collection and then it was advertised this way and then mm-hmm. it trickled down and mm-hmm. then everybody wore it. But yeah. that's not true. There's always this anachronism of different so eras, true. different styles mm. always going on in different pockets of society. Yeah. And that's fascinating too. Yeah, and then also it makes fashion fun, right? Yeah. You get to really be playful with it. You get to do what you want. You get to spend within your means um, but still be creative about it. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I guess that concludes the episode. I mean, we've talked about all sorts of ways that we shop ourselves. Um, And I mean, let's just drop the word sustainable (laughs) in there because these are also, of course, sustainable ways of, you know, experiencing fashion. Um, As an antidote, I guess, to like all the fast fashion issues that we have with that. Or last week, we were talking about fashion weeks and like the issues with putting out fashion shows and, and whatnot. But I think people are actively being sustainable or trying to be sustainable, um, motivated by their their want to be creative and their need to be frugal. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Thank you so much for listening to the 10th episode of In The Between. (laughs) (laughs) And if you like what you listen to, please subscribe to our podcast and more importantly, follow us on Instagram because we upload lots of images um, that relate to what we talk about and we would love to hear your comments there as well. Thank you again. Till the next time. Bye.